If it's a chronic pain, think cannabis for sure. Sleep, any kind of sleep disturbances, think cannabis. Nausea, vomiting, chronic of any kind, think cannabis. So those are definitely top three. The following really close, spasticity of any kind. And then I'll tell you something that you probably never heard of. And that is typical dermatologic conditions. If you want to live like you matter, ditch the pills, look great, and feel freaking amazing, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Wendy Trubo. I'm Dr. Ed Levitan. Welcome to the Five Journeys Podcast. Where we empower you to live a vibrant and healthy life by optimizing your structural, chemical, emotional, social, and spiritual lives. Hang on to your hats. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Five Journeys podcast, Live Like You Matter. I'm Dr. Wendy Trubo. This is Dr. Ed Levitan. And our guest today is Mikhail Kogan, Dr. Misha Kogan. He is the medical director of the George Washington University Center for Integrative Medicine. He's also an associate professor of medicine at George Washington University School of Medicine. Dr. Kogan has recommended medical marijuana to thousands of patients and is a frequent lecturer on medical cannabis to professional audiences across the nation. Welcome. We're so psyched to have you here. Thank you. It's so wonderful being here. Great. What were you going to say? Yeah, I want to first actually kind of say is uh, we're going to talk mostly about cannabis and cannabinoids and um, and you are a fully trained and uh, working functional medicine physician and have a practice and d- d- does a full spectrum of functional medicine. I just want to kind of put that in context for our listeners because this is the real deal it's not yes we're going to be talking about cannabis but it's you come from a huge wealth of knowledge not just cannabis so then what is medical cannabis and what's the difference between that and recreational cannabis i guess maybe (laughs) well if you figure that question out you'll probably be a a lot richer than you think um well there's no real true true separation i think the separation is legal separation is ethical separation is intent so the intent to use is probably what separates how you're using it you know and what you're using it for um this whole idea that somehow higher concentrations or more cbd and that you know the higher dose per bottle per vial somehow means more medical it, it that's I, I a couple of months ago i was at the uh, um new jersey um new jersey had a hearing when they were approving recreational cannabis and so i was asked to speak to the governor there and it was pretty hilarious because like they were completely clueless about some really basic stuff like uh well, if you take 10 five milligram gummies, guess what? That's 50. And so that you could be, you could be quite overdosed with 50. And so, so the recreational versus, um, versus medical is really the intent. I think there's a whole idea that more and more states are proving recreational for, I mean, we'll know why it has nothing to do with it's all about the money, right? Because the taxation in some states is up to 30% and more. So if you collect 30%, if you collect 30 cents on a dollar for each dollar generated, you can imagine um, Colorado is busking in cash from the cannabis industry and everybody wants to follow the suit. So so that's really the reason. I don't think we should only be cynical though, because the the there is definitely benefit to bringing it out from the sub rosa and putting it in being monitored now you know okay it's organically grown you're not getting pesticides and chemicals you know it's not laced with fentanyl you know that it's safe and and guess what and you don't drink alcohol 
and your mortality in a state goes down by 10% from car accidents, mortality from opiate overdose going down by 30 to 40%. Mortality from alcohol goes down by another, don't, don't quote me on that one, don't remember. So yeah, I mean, there's clearly an exit strategy. The cannabis is probably the best exit drug we have in, in our society at the moment. I don't know if the psilocybin and ketamine and other things will be next, but uh, on a grand scheme, those are tiny fractions compared to how many people use cannabis in the country. All right. So, I mean, I, for a brief stint of time, worked as what we call pot docs and certified people for marijuana. And the most fascinating part to me was the impact of medical marijuana on cancer treatment. Do you have any experience in that? Can we talk about that? We can talk about it as far as you want to go. We can talk about actual symptoms, which, of course, that's where the evidence is. And then we can be very provocative and say that the most crazy cases of cures I've ever seen, every single one have cannabis, including cases of stage four. And then now there is no cancer three months later. Well, why is that? I mean, it's definitely has anti-cancer properties, but what that's what's that about? So that's another, if you figure that one out, You'll be probably <laughs> as, rich, as rich. You'll be as rich as uh, <laughs> Musk. So we don't really know. We know that in petri dishes, cannabis is quite effective for most cancers. Uh, it induces apoptosis, so literally it kills the cancer cells. What happens in a human body is a very different story. In animal models, it can also be quite effective. So the only thing we know in humans is it does. There is a signal, strong signal, I would say, for brain tumors. So anybody who has a brain cancer probably should be on some kind of cannabis unless they're taking uh, biologic uh, immune modulators. And then things get much more complicated because cannabis is a potent anti-inflammatory drug. And so if you're giving somebody pro-inflammatory treatment, you don't want anti-inflammatory treatment there. There's some early studies from Israel particularly suggesting harm. Um, so it, it it's not a... <laughs> If you read cannabis for cancer for cancer on internet, you get like thousands hits, and a lot of the hits are like, "Oh, I cured my cancer, and so can you." Like, or you get this Chiching Chong up in smoke saying that I cured two different cancers in the same body. So, like, you know, a lot of this is just a kind of a hype and probably a commercial gain only without real evidence. But but the cases are there, the signals are there. Um, I think what's really fascinating is that. Put those things aside for cancer in terms of palliation and i'm a I'm, i have four boards right so i have an internal medicine integrative palliative and geriatrics and so in palliative medicine we don't have any better tool and the funny part i just took my palliative research 10 years later and there was no single question on the entire board on cannabis i kind of uh, that does tell you the scope of affairs we have a you know, a whole industry here that treats um, a lot of different cancer symptoms with cannabis highly effectively. And then we have a standard of care and they're completely clueless. And, and they actually advising patients not to do it, not because, because then if something works, then they can't give them something that something else. And suddenly they find themselves unable to effectively manage the patient because the tool's not applicable. When a P, I mean, so obviously, if you're on an immunologic modulating cancer protocol, you would not be a good candidate for THC. I think it's, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you are on, if you're on a palliative treatment, and even with immunologic treatment, but you're really 
have tons of symptoms and you can't manage them, I'd still easily prescribe because I wouldn't, you know, like my intent there is to help the patient in the moment. Right. How they feel. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's and, and that's where we have tremendous amount of evidence. And actually, in 2017, National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine put a really profound report. In fact, even now, five years later, which in in field of cannabis, five years, it's like a century in medicine, right? Because it's like things are moving so quickly. But even still, that report, I consider the most profound and the largest evidence that we have for the benefit. And they literally said it's grade A treatment for pain, chronic pain of any kind, including fibromyalgia, for for nausea and vomiting in the, during cancer and for spasticity, particularly in multiple sclerosis. So, you know, we have a conclusive evidence. Uh, and despite that, most of the societies still don't recommend using cannabis because of the Schedule One controlled substance. Cancer is hard because it's such a big field. And nausea, vomiting in cancer and pain in cancer, I'd say it's so clear and so effective and and often just so patients preferred because like if they take more pills or if they take, you know, especially pain pills, like we know so many side effects it's just and also like in studies often euphoria is considered a side effect we have a patient with advanced cancer i'm yet to hear from single person to say euphoria is a side effect so it, you know it, it, it it's also uh, depends on the fact that it just actually improves quality of life for people who are suffering a lot with all kinds of chronic conditions all right so we've talked cancer so what would you do for what is your kind of start starting point for insomnia? I have a lot, see a lot of Lyme patients that even if I give them pharmaceuticals don't do very well. So and sleep is so vital. And the nice thing about well, actually, let me ask you is the does CBD well, does can cannabis affect sleep architecture in a negative way? That's a great question. So THC does not in every person um but it does so thc does it, it and especially at the doses that are more than five milligrams it can negatively impact architecture cbd does not so that's actually the the reason why most of the time you want to at least try it with cbd but really it's more practical patient is in this since i see patients from all over the world i mean if they're in a place where they can get legal thc then what right so how do you how do you do that well then you just go with cbd alone the, the but other practicality is the cost i know that they will end up with sending taking 100 to 200 milligrams and that's going to cost them way 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 more than one to five to even 10 milligrams of thc so i look at this because it's going to be long term they're not going to be on it for a couple of months i mean there's probably going to be a long term especially if you're treating chronic Lyme, right i mean you're not telling them oh you're going to be better in three months i mean this is going to take a while a few years probably at least a year i would say on average so you have to get them prepared but but nowadays i go to after i teach them basic sleep hygiene and some mindfulness i go straight into it because acupuncture is more expensive can work sure herbs more expensive in a way because you get doses titration so, and, you know, I'm in the state, a tri-state area of Maryland District of Columbia and Virginia, and every state has medical. So I can get everybody in my own area where they come to see me face-to-face, -face, I can get them cannabis. But if they're calling from other states, usually we start to find out, is it legal? And then if not, then we'll start with CBD. 
And CBN always it always comes up. People always ask me, so should I just take straight up CBN? It does work for some people, but it's just not as interestingly enough predictable. So usually I say, sure, you can do some CBN, but try to take it with some CBD. There seems to be a better efficacy. And then you decide what else they need. If they have a Lyme, right, you want a lot of anti-inflammatory effect and they probably have some pain. So if they're not sleeping because they're hurting at night, I'd get a lot of CBDA, cannabidiolic acid, because it's a very good, it's like Motrin at that time. Uh, it's actually more effective than Motrin if you titrate the dose up. Problem with CBDA, again, cost. You can get Motrin for a couple of pennies, literally, per tablet, and CBDA is going to be way more expensive. So you also keep running into these practicalities. Um, you know, if they have a lot of anxiety and, and they're just like they can't cool their brain down, I keep titrating CBD. That seems to be the best. So I, you also have to start kind of thinking in parallel what else is happening. And then if they also have neuropathic pain, they can't get CBTHC. Well, give them CBG. CBG can be very effective for neuropathic pain. So what do I tell the dispens what do I tell my patient to go look for dispensary? Or what does the patient, what, what are they looking for? What's the actual prescription which is not a prescription obviously but well you you need to educate them more one thing you can simply tell them get dr kogan's book open the chapter on sleep and and follow exact cases because you know i have cases in each chapter and follow directions so you, you can give them resources first of all because the you can spend half an hour with the patient telling them precise finding the strain specifically like you're gonna what we used to call indica which is just don't use those words because they're, they're, they don't mean anything everything hybrids pretty much and even like indica can have stimulatory effect on some people and sativa can have depressing it, it doesn't it, it's really all about terpenes in the way how that entourage effect or combination of major major cannabinoids with other minor cannabinoids causes the effect on the body but it's a little different on everybody so there's a still experimentation even in the best case scenario you're going to tell them okay go get your calming strain couple of milligrams of thc from dispensary take it like an hour or 30 minutes before bedtime and titrate it absolutely but you don't actually know it may be stimulating even at low doses so for most people it's one but then for some people it's another so you have to kind of prepare them that okay if that happens don't panic it just you know we'll keep with the process at the end of the day if they stick with the process the efficacy is so high that everything else we do i always tell people well you know the gab are sure great l-theanine sure but you will know that the the level of efficacy is you know if 30 percent get response we feel great right um but here i'd say 80 to 90 percent once you get there it's getting them there requires a lot of information coaching and so i actually feel strongly that the future is all about coaches we docs should not be doing this we, we we don't we're too expensive we don't have time to call the patient every week and say hey what's going on where are you what's your dose have you tried this okay why not like what when you tried that oh that happened okay so now we're going to do this you know that's the the level of feedback i'm sure somebody's going to try to automate it i'm sure there's already works on the apps and things like this where this is going to be built into some kind of a platform where you feed the computer something and it'll but but you know that's also lacking human aspect and maybe difficult tell me something do you are you recommending that people do tinctures or 
edible, uh, something they're swallowing versus something that's sublingual because the sublingual will last like four hours. So it wears off just when they need to be sleeping. And then, so are you saying do an edible? Cause you can't titrate as easily. So, so start with sublingual titrated to when they falling asleep well. And then once you know the rough dose, you transition to the edible. If you're a young person and the situation is horrible, like, you know, somebody's like really not sleeping and the, you can even start sometimes just start straight with edible and just tell, okay, if you overdose and you're gragging next day, don't be surprised. We'll cut the dose down. Sometimes what I'll tell them, I'll tell them, go get five milligram gummies, cut them in quarters and start with one quarter, you know, or even less. I mean, it really, so that's another option. So you can do the oral, but that depends on what kind of insomnia they have. If they can't fall asleep, tincture is probably going to be more predictable, more, um, not just more predictable, but more consistent effect. The other problem with edibles, well, it depends on what's in your stomach. If your stomach is relatively full and there's a lot of fat in it, you're going to have one level of absorption or one speed of absorption. If you don't, it'll be a little bit different. If you keep it in the mouth long enough, you're going to have partial sublingual absorption and then partial so that's another way you can have them chew it, hold it in the mouth for five minutes and then swallow. So they're going to get both. Um, so there, there are all these intricacies. And that's why I think the coaching, like it's just most people will not learn that unless they're so interested in it. So people, we have a lot of enthusiasts who are coming in and they're like, oh, I want to know everything. They will buy my book. They'll read the whole thing. And then they'll have like 10 gazillion questions because they already like tried stuff on their own. So those are much easier to work with patients. But if you have somebody who's completely clueless and, and by the way, their primary care said, oh, cannabis will kill you or something, something stupid like that. You're still, we're still hearing that periodically. Not, not a lot, thank God, but still happens. And so then they going against the grain there and, or like the, the, like 90, like my, my favorite story. So where I'd have like 95 year old grandma who has some really advanced Alzheimer's with a lot of psychosis and nothing works and, the, and the, of course cannabis is amazing in the cases like this and so the, the the kids would bring the mom or parent and the kids and i'd start at some point they're just coming in for geriatric appointment right to see me and so i'd say well we're gonna start with cannabis and kids like what isn't that illegal and the grandkids in the corner i told you so i told you so for years and you didn't listen to me now look you know so that always gets me yeah, cracked up. So what are the other top three to five uh, things that you want to think of for cannabis? Like, I know anxiety is probably a huge one there. Anxiety is huge. Anxiety has some evidence for CBD, but the problem with anxiety, it's, it, it, it has a lot of different like causes. And I wouldn't think of cannabis for anxiety as first line because I just, you know, I would try to treat the cause of anxiety, right? If it's a more psychologically driven stuff, it, it, you know, we'd send them to a psychologist or if it's more of just, you know, they're wrapped up in their mind and they need to drop into the body, we'll send them to mind body teacher or just you know, MBSR or whatnot. Um, but for, I, I'd say for the top three, well, definitely pain in all kinds of variations of pain. If it's a chronic pain, think cannabis for sure. Sleep, any kind of sleep disturbances, think cannabis. Nausea, vomiting, chronic of any kind, think cannabis. So those are definitely top three. The top, the following really close, spasticity of any kind. It doesn't matter whether it's a, a multiple sclerosis, spasticity or anything else, like a post-stroke 
for example, people get a lot of like, they're just, they, they have a contraction on one side and, and the body is really hard and spastic. So, you know, can be very effective. And then I'll tell you something that you probably never heard of. And that is typical uh, dermatologic conditions. So eczemas, uh, any kind of rashes, anything that is localized. I and mean, of course, if it's a whole body, uh, you, you wouldn't put it topically, but the topical cannabis is heavily underutilized. And I don't understand why. I know this is one area where pharma is hugely investing into topical CBD. I mean, there's like a half a dozen of companies running to the top, including Pfizer bought paid $6 billion for like some startup very recently, because it's a huge market, like eczemas, psoriasis. I published a case on psoriasis, CBD or THC. It's not exactly clear what ingredient is better, but I've probably cured hundreds, if not thousands of different eczema and psoriasis cases, just with topically, just put it locally there. If this, if, if their process is not widespread, if it's widespread, it starts to get complicated, but if it's a minor problem, amazing. And then all man, all things gut, whether it's IBS, whether it's Crohn's disease, whether it's ulcerative colitis, um, ulcerative colitis suppositories, I mean, I've had a few dozen of patients, they don't take any drugs. They just take the rectal suppositories and that's it. And that manages their ulcerative colitis. Of CBD, THC or combination? Combination. Yeah, usually it's either one-to-one uh, -one CBD to THC because those are the easiest to find. If they can make their own, I sometimes would put other things like CBDA, CBGA because that seems like it's also very effective to as an anti-inflammatory. Um, so think of anything that is um, within a reach of delivery system. So if it's an easy delivery system and it's an inflammatory condition, it's totally worth a try. We should put it in our daughter's ears. <laughs> Seriously, she always has ear infections. You could totally try it. You could totally try it. You could totally try it. And it wouldn't, I mean, it's because, you know, like how much THC is she going to absorb from the ear? A tiny amount. My kids use topical CBD. Like my, I have 13 and 15 year old. 13 year old has this uh, condition where the bones grow fast. So he has this aching in the joints. And so he was like going professional skateboarding, but now he can't do it because, so we start putting him on some CBD topically and he loves it. And is that a special preparation or you just do a... No, just commercially available. Yeah. We have CBD. We have cream CBD and it's yeah. been cool. I use it for pain. Yeah, exactly. That's what you want. But you want it as concentrated as possible. So you don't want to use like 100 milligram per jar. It's just, just nothing. Like probably start with 500 and up. So 10, 1,000, 1,200 in the two ounces jar, which two ounces are usually standard size. So keep going up as much as possible. Sometimes you have to have THC too. So, so it's not really clear, but once you need to THC, then of course you have to get a card and, and like it's a lot more complicated. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm assuming that all of our listeners have 8,000 additional questions and want to follow you. How can people reach you? Uh, GWCIM.com. So that's our website, www.GWCIM.com. Everything's on the website. I have my own website, but uh, the main one, you can find us there and all the information is there as well as like a coaching information for how to get in touch with me and then a coach. Uh, and then of course you can just get the book. So if it's just medical marijuana, Dr. Kogan's guide to cannabis and CBD on Amazon and it's a, it's a random house. It's a big publisher. So it's everywhere. 
there's also an audible and i'm proud of the person who read it it's the same person who did life of pi so uh it's, it's he's got a great voice it's a very and the book is written quite simply so it's not a it's definitely not a medical book the way it's written it's like for just an average person to read awesome, awesome. this has been fascinating yeah we can uh, talk for hours yeah we totally amazing. could so thank you for joining us for another episode of the Five Journeys podcast, Live Like You Matter. Our guest today is Dr. Misha Kogan, and we talked all about cannabis. You should get the book. Get yeah, his book. It's a great book. Misha, Thanks thank for you. joining us. Thank you so much. I hope I'll see you guys soon sometime in Boston. So Definitely. Yes, absolutely. Don't go it alone. It's not a social journey until others join. Share this with your friends. 